The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Sometimes it's the normal, sometimes it's the abnormal, and sometimes it's the paranormal, but it's always beyond reality. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. We've got another great one for you. I love the way our guests line up. We've got a just an amazing uh, resource. Slick Eddie does a great job of finding and securing terrific guests, and tonight is no exception. We're going to be talking tonight with Aaron Worley. Aaron is an author, a channeler, and an, an inner voice coach, and she's going to talk about where that inner voice comes from, what is it trying to tell us, and what does it all mean? And uh, we're excited to do that tonight. Just a couple of quick reminders, then we'll go to break and get our guest on the phone. I want you to go to YouTube if you're listening to this as a podcast. Otherwise, you're probably already there. But go to YouTube and find our YouTube channel. It's just JV Johnson on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. And it's also helpful if you click the notification icon so that you're alerted when we have uh, new content, whether it's live streaming or bonus content. Again, YouTube.com. It's JV Johnson. If you search for that, you're going to find it. We've got like over 500 back episodes there for your viewing. There's no fee. There's nothing. It's all available for you. And we encourage you to take advantage of it. Also, the reverse is true. If you're listening to this uh, or watching this on YouTube. We invite you to find our podcast version of the program. That's available on all major podcast platforms. Just search for Beyond Reality Paranormal. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and many, many other platforms. We've got a great archive of programs there as well. And it's a great way to stay up to date on the show, especially if you're traveling a lot. You know, if you're in your car, nothing better than finding a good uh, podcast to listen to while you're driving. It makes the time go by much quicker And I know you hear some interesting stuff. So look for the podcast version of the show. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll bring in our guest tonight. Again, we're talking with Aaron Worley. Aaron has a book out that's called One Truth, One Law. I am, I create. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight on Beyond Reality. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the program. It's Beyond Reality. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. Tonight, we're going to be talking with Aaron Worley. Aaron is an author, a channeler, an inner voice coach. He's also uh, written a book called One Truth, One Law, I Am, I Create. She's a registered nurse with a B.A. in history, a self-taught channeler that's been take, talking with her inner voice since 2011. Aaron's been featured in many uh, media projects, and her mission is to help un help you unblock your amazing inner power to be happy, successful, and live the life you were born to live. Erin, welcome to the program. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, J.B. I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today. i got to ask you, though, you're a registered nurse. You're an author. You've got a B.A. in history. I know you're a mom. I uh, Are you also an architect? Do you fly to the moon? I mean, you sound like you do about everything. <laughs> you know what? I totally consider those two things, yeah. Um, well... <laughs> You know, I am totally a person that has a hard time settling. I am so, I have so many ideas about what I want to do in my life. And so that's always been something I've struggled with. And I'm only starting to get that under control. I read something really interesting recently. It said, if you want to dig a hundred foot hole, you can't dig 10, 10 feet holes. And reading that was the reason my book is now published. Because if I hadn't read that, I'd still be going in every direction. You may have just opened some uh, horizons for me here. Uh, that, that's a pretty powerful quote you just gave me. Yeah, amazing. Changed my life, changed the trajectory I was going on completely, and so, allowed me to really focus on what I want to create here to make a difference. Tell me about the, uh, and I know this is kind of off topic a little bit, but tell me about the BA in history. Um, did you do that simultaneous to getting your nursing cert- certification? How did that work? No, 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 no. So, that was, um, I graduated, I graduated high school in 2000, 
Yeah, 2000, exactly. And it took me eight years to get the BA in history because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like so many young people, I was I was lost, I was confused, and I didn't want to be tied down to one thing, which is the story of my life. Um, so it took me eight years, and I graduated in 2008, right when the economy was, was going down real bad. And I became a server in a restaurant for many years, which I actually read an article a year or two after graduating that 80% of the people that graduated from my college with a degree in history were working in restaurants. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so no, no, that is so. And I, I met my husband. I started talking to my inner voice, which is infinite intelligence, source, the universe. It's all of our inner voices. And I started communicating with that, and it was really exciting. But I was terrified because I didn't want to tell the other people in my life besides my husband that I was talking to God in my head. I was afraid I wouldn't be invited to Christmas anymore, yeah, right. you know, because I, you know, I'd always been the weirdo in the family. But I was like, that's going too far. If I put this out there, no one's going to want anything to do with me. And so I was scared. And so I hid my truth for eight years. And uh, I went to school and got a nursing degree so that, you know, I could take care of myself. My husband did the same thing so we could start a family and, you know, get a house. But uh, right. <laughs> so that's, it's, it was a long journey. But uh, now I'm really, I'm really lucky to be a mom and I'm focusing on what I'm actually here to create, which is tell people the truth that the physical world is all an illusion. I have to I have to say first of all um I have a tremendous amount of appreciation for those who go into nursing. It is an unbelievably difficult job and you have to love what you do and you've got to love people to be able to do it. Uh was this a, a kind of venture into to nursing getting your nursing certification was that part of a therapy for you ba- because you started to recognize some of these things with within you? You know, I think that I I had gone through such a long journey. When I first started talking to my inner voice, which calls itself I am, um, I, I kind of wanted to shut myself off from the physical world, thinking, well, now that I know this truth that the world is all an illusion, I don't really want to participate in it anymore. You know, and I, I started to believe that my ego was evil and all these things that I think happen to so many people when they start awakening to the truth that the world isn't what they grew up thinking it was, that there's something more out there. And I think so many people start to believe there's something wrong with them and there's something wrong with being human. And it took me that whole process and going to nursing school was part of it, was accepting that, you know what, I am going to participate in the human world and even finding out that most of us are here to do exactly that. You know, we made that decision when we came into the physical world to participate and finding out the truth is not a reason to to go off and detach yourself from reality. It's a reason to jump in and figure out what you're here to create to contribute to the expansion of the universe. So nursing school was the start of, after a few years of me talking to my inner voice, starting to understand my ego isn't evil. There's nothing wrong with me. And it's okay for me to participate. And it's okay for me to go. And as you said, I, I so many amazing lives I learned about and, and while I was a nurse. And I'm not a nurse anymore. I'm still, I still have the license, and I could go back and work as a nurse. But after my children were born, I stopped. Um, but the number one thing I learned as a nurse was, because I was constantly working with the elderly, was that most elderly people were not fulfilled at the end of their life. Mm. And they were bitter and unhappy, and they were terrified of death. And there were occasionally one or two you would meet that were vibrant and full of life. Maybe they couldn't move or get out of bed, but they were just brimming with life. And you could tell that they had done something while they were here to make an impact on other people, whether on a small or large scale. And that's when I started to, to think, oh my goodness, I'm turning away from my path. And if I continue to do that, that's what's going to happen to me, too. And I didn't want that. I knew I had something I could give. I had a ripple I could put out there to the universe to affect other people. And so I finally I finally swallowed my fear, the biggest fear of my life, telling the people I loved that I'm a little nuts. I talked to a voice in my head. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so nursing was so much of me healing 
this this idea that there was something wrong with me being human. Yeah, I, have, I have to ask you about that epiphany. Uh, working with the elderly, many at, you know near the end of their lives, you said uh, majority of them were afraid and were, were kind of sad, rather unfulfilled. And the ones that you said yeah. were vibrant and and fulfilled. Are you saying that they felt that way because they felt like they had positively influenced and impacted yeah. other people during their lives? That was exactly the difference. And I'll tell you the craziest thing about this was you would think that the people that had their, their hospital room full of 10, 20, 30 family members who obviously loved them would be the happy and joyful ones. Mm. I found that, no, that wasn't the case. Really? Those happened to be the most bitter, most complaining ones. Now, that's not always true, but in general, being surrounded by other people who love you isn't what brings you joy, is what I found from that. And I found the the people at the end that were just brimming over with, with you know, great gratitude for have living this life and having this opportunity only had a few people with them at the end and some of them had none, but their joy came from inside. And the people that had surrounded themselves with a hundred other people, they were looking for joy from them and they weren't getting it, even though those people were giving them love. Wow. That's that's interesting to me because as I get older and I start to consider my own mortality, which we all do, and I've I've recently lost both of my parents, which makes you think about it even more. Sorry, yeah, thank you. Um, You know, one of the things that concerns me or has always I I, I hate to use the word scared me, but I don't know a better word to use it to use in this case. But one of the things that's always scared me is reaching the end of my life and not having anybody there to I don't know to hold my hand when I make that transition. I'm not even <laughs> sure what it is, but that's one of the things that's, that's kind of, I don't a normal thought. Yeah. Not many things scare me, but that, that thought is troubling to me. Am I, am I wrong to think that? No, I think, I think that is a hundred percent a human thought and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. You know, I, I myself have, my husband and I have two children, and I thought, well, maybe I should have six children so that there's more, <laughs> more kids with me at the end, you know? So it's totally a human thought. Those things are all, all um, it's just part of what makes us who we are. We have this tendency to want to cling here. Erin, you're, you think, you're, thinking, you're thinking about it all wrong. The reason you want to have six children is because there's better chances one of them is going to be a rock star or something and you know, be able to support you during the last, you know, later part of your life. That's the reason. You know, you're so right. Oh my gosh, you just totally changed my whole worldview. I guess we better get back to the drawing board, right? I have to ask you about a quote that's on your website. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. Of course, you know it, but it says, I, I didn't trust myself, so I trusted other people to give me advice about what I should do with my life. I never stood up to anyone ever, at least not about anything important. I felt like a mess. What's that about? Yeah. So that's actually from the very beginning of my book. And that is my life. And I thought it was just me, my entire life. I was bullied as a child and horribly in school as I grew up. But I had very, very low self-esteem. And so I always believed when somebody else said there was something wrong with me, I internalized it and believed it 100%. I'm like, oh, my gosh, well, you, there must be something wrong with me if you're telling me so. Um, and I, I just didn't have any self-confidence. And so I thought everybody else must have it figured out. It sure looked like it to me. It felt like I was the only one that felt that way. And it wasn't until I was older and started communicating with my inner voice with infinite intelligence that I realized almost everybody feels that way. And that's why we're so fascinated with social media, with other people's lives, with our neighbors, with keeping up with the Joneses, because we think they have it figured out and we want what they have. But that is never going to bring us happiness. And it's only recently that I've really come to understand that. You have to start figuring it out on the inside. And then you start filling yourself up with joy and happiness and love. And you can start spreading it. But it took me my entire life, I'm 37 now, to, to really realize what that all meant. Nobody else has it figured out either. Well, a few people do. Very few. And so if you're looking to duplicate what they're doing in their lives, 
you're just going to be replicating. They're not having it figured out either. Tell me how your awakening uh, unfolded. Tell me, tell me how that started for you. I know you were reading a lot of self-help books, looking for ways to find some answers. Tell me how it worked out. Yeah, absolutely. So I had met my husband in 2010, and he was really interested in self-help and affirmations and just learning more about the world. Um, He didn't have anything figured out. He was just asking questions. And I myself had been raised in a very, like, not interested at all, like, not religious, but also not interested in anything about more in the world. My parents were were atheists. They just weren't interested. And so I grew up completely uninterested. And it never bothered me a bit. I wasn't looking for more. I didn't think there was more. But my husband started asking these questions. and I started asking them too. I'm like, oh my gosh, there is a pattern to the universe. Of course there is. There has to be more. And so I actually took over from where his questioning was. And my questioning got so much bigger than his. And I just became like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And in 2011, we lost our job. And we were about to be evicted. We were a few months from being evicted from our apartment. We were living in Virginia Beach at the time, which is beautiful. And I didn't want to have to leave Virginia Beach, right? And we had just watched The Secret. And for the first time ever, I was uh, introduced to the idea of the law of attraction. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. So I want to make it work. And I found that I could make it work on little things like manifesting a parking space. But bigger things like manifesting a pile of money, I wasn't able to figure out, right? <laughs> so, and I don't think I'm alone there. But so, so I started thinking, well, maybe if I could do what these channelers do and contact somebody from like another dimension, they could tell me how to make the law of attraction work. So that became my plan. Again, no job, every day, just plenty of time to, to think and, and um, try to visualize and start meditating that I could hear something. And over a period of many months, I actually started hearing the voice of I am in my head. And uh, after I did, my husband started asking questions. I didn't know what was going on at first. Neither of us did because we didn't understand we were going to be hearing the voice of the universe, of universal mind, source. We thought we were going to be like contacting Joe from Planet 52, you know? <laughs> right. We, you know, so um, so after after I came out of the shower, I'm like, Phil, I hear a voice in my head. So is my husband, and uh, and he's like, Well, can I ask it questions? And I'm like, Hell no, you're gonna think I'm nuts. But, <laughs> so I finally <laughs> laid down and let him ask me some questions. We didn't record that first one, but uh, we went out and bought a tape recorder that night and uh, started recording the conversations. And it was literally mind-blowing, all the stuff we found. So One Truth, One Law, my book, is actually all the questions Phil asks over a period of time in the summer. Yeah, let me make sure I understand. So you started started hearing the voice come to you. uh, Mm -hmm. And so then you decided at some point that uh, your husband was actually going to ask the voice questions. So it didn't... So it wasn't like we decided. So Mm -hmm. I heard the voice in the shower for the first time. I wasn't meditating. I asked myself a question. I said, am I God? Because I had been, I had been meditating and I had started wondering, is that what's going on here? And I asked myself that question in the shower, am I God? And there was a voice in my head that said, yes. And I was like, what's going on? I asked you a few more questions. I was hearing answers. I'm like, what in the world? So I came out of the shower, and I'm like, Phil, I'm hearing this voice in my head. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I have no idea what I mean, right? And so he's like, well, let me ask it some questions. And at first I was like, no way. He's like, well, I want to know, you know, I want to, because he's, he's super analytical. So if, if it wasn't really something other than me, he was going to know right away. So I was like, I don't want you answering questions. You're just going to think I'm crazy. So anyway, I finally laid down, and he started asking questions. So it wasn't a decision. It was He was so fascinated by the answers he was getting, he absolutely didn't want to stop. And I could only handle about an hour a day, but he would have done it 24 hours a day because he was so amazed by the answers coming out of, out of me, you know, because it obviously wasn't me. It wasn't Aaron. It was something much, much bigger because every single answer that we got was immediate, and it this huge picture, and there was never anything that didn't make any sense. 
So what so kind of what kind of questions was he asking? Were they metaphysical type questions, or were they uh, spiritual? Were they uh, what was what, uh, what's the future hold? What kind of questions? So no, I absolutely don't go into the future, and I'll tell you the reason. The reason is there really is only now, and if you ask somebody else what your future is going to be, you're allowing them to create that future for you. So I am a firm believer that the future is completely to be written, and we're all creating it right now with all of our thoughts. And if you ask somebody else to create that for you, you're giving your power away. So that's, it was completely metaphysical. It was, who are we? Why are we here? What's the meaning of life? Why do bad things happen? All the big metaphysical questions we have answers to in our book. And we also have the answers to, how do I hear this voice myself? Because if you're always going to somebody else, the, the channeler, the medium, the psychic, then you're never learning how to do it yourself. And I will tell you, we are all one. We are all God. And every single person listening to this show right now can learn to do this themselves, a hundred percent. And anybody who tells you that they're doing something special that you cannot do does not understand oneness. Because if another person can do it, you 100% can do it as well. Thanks for joining us tonight, whether you're watching on our live YouTube stream, listening on the radio, or maybe you have downloaded this as a podcast, which we also do. Uh, we're welcome, uh, we welcome you regardless of how you're listening. Tonight we're talking with Aaron Worley, author, channeler, and inner voice coach, author of the book, One Truth, One Law, I Am, I Create. Aaron, I want to ask you about the voice the first time you started hearing this. You said you were in the shower. Was the voice your voice? Did it sound like you? Did it have any distinct features? Was it male? Was it female? What were you hearing in your head? I'll do my best to answer that one. So it was a voice deposited in my head that sounded an awful lot like my voice, but for some reason it always seemed to have a bit of a a male inflection to it, but it will tell you quite clearly that it is, gender neutral. It doesn't have a gender. It is everything. But for me, I, I, I don't know why it always seemed a little male, but it says, no, it's a, it's a it. Um, and here is the way I tell the difference, because everyone hears this voice. They just don't recognize it. And most people only hear it a tiny percentage of the time because they've been so conditioned since early childhood to tune it out. Um, that it is the voice of your dream. It is the voice that believes that you can do things, that you can make big changes in your life. It is the voice that believes anything is possible. It is the voice that has unlimited uh, ideas. So your persona, what most people call the ego, has been created to protect you in the physical world. And it believes that You need to be afraid of everything, and you've been conditioned that way since a young child because the people who love you want to keep you safe. They told you, no, look both ways before you cross the street. Don't stand on that table. I don't want you to fall and bump your head. So that voice believes the world is dangerous. Everything is not possible, and right now it is much louder than your real voice, the voice of your inner self, the voice of the universe. So when you hear that voice that tells you, no, don't get off the couch, keep the TV on, I'm tired, I can't, no, 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 that is your persona, your ego. So that's how you tell the difference. What's the voice saying? Does it say you can or does it say, no, you can't? If I remember one of my science classes, and I don't remember if this was college or if it was high school, but I just remember being taught that we are born with two innate fears. I don't remember what they are. I think one of them was the fear of falling. Um, and the other one I can't remember. It may have been loud noises. I'm not even sure. Uh, but <laughs> if, if I understand what you're telling me is that every other fear that we experience in our lives at this point is something that was taught to us. Yeah, it was either as early starting as a baby or a very young child. You're taught by the people who love you 
that you need to be careful in the physical world because the physical world is dangerous. And that's not untrue. You know, these are things that have to happen. We have to have this persona develop in order for us to survive and stay in the physical world. But it is all just creation. And as you get older, the only way you're ever going to take back your unlimited creative power is to start realizing that most of those fears... Now, I'm not saying go cross the street without looking both ways. <laughs> right. Because... <laughs> Most people are not going to develop their intuition to the level that they can do that safely. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm saying for most people that isn't the goal of your life plan. That's not really what you're here to do. And what you need to do is start recognizing when you become come into adulthood that those things you learn to keep you safe are what are now holding you back from being unlimited. So I look at it as very much a life path that has a lot of general characteristics that we all go down. And once we start going down and realizing it, that's when we can start jumping into what we're actually here to do as an individual experiencing the world as an individual. So we we all are born into the physical world. We all uh, you know, that's why babies are just, they smile nonstop, very young babies, because they are experiencing the physical world as I am, as universal mind. And then as they get a little older and are, are experiencing the, 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 um, the physical world in an unlimited manner, they start being told no all the time. And they start being told to be afraid all the time, because that's when they start moving around and things do become dangerous for them. And that is just more of that. And then, of course, you go into school and you're conditioned that you're a cog in the wheel and everything is memorization and, and nothing is creation. And uh, so after you're done with school, it's really your time to start breaking free of the conditioning you've had that has allowed you to survive and start figuring out what you're do, here to do to impact the world. And I promise you, you're here to do something because everybody has a destiny. Everybody came here for a specific reason, and you have something that you're here to do that is amazing that will impact other lives. You've said a couple times during our discussion already that the world is an illusion. What do you mean by that? So I mean that it's literally a projection. So there's, there's two parts to the universe. One part is the spiritual world of universal mind. And universal mind is, it's not physical. There's nothing that you can explore there with your senses. You can't see it. You can't touch it. And it's all the thoughts that have ever been thought. And they're just kind of swirling around up there. And at any one moment, all of, some of those thoughts are being projected into a physical world that we can experience. And we, our minds, are actually all up there in that universal mind, that oneness. And we believe we're individuals, but we're all just a little slice of that oneness experiencing with our senses, um, believing we're individuals. Because, and the reason this exists, there's a very specific reason the physical world was created this way. And it was so we could have individual experiences. Because the one limitation that oneness or the universe has is that it's all there is. And so it needed to create the, the illusion of individual, uh, individuality in order to experience love for other things, because that's the one thing it can't do. It has full knowing of what it is and what life is, and so it can't connect with others, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to connect and impact others. So we actually have an amazing purpose, and our ego, our persona, is the gift that we've been given that allows us to do that. And I know I was, you mentioned earlier that, you know, one of your fears is, is death. And most people feel that way. I get emails all the time from people saying, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I'm afraid to die. And I was afraid that was my biggest fear almost my entire life, terrified of death. I remember being a, a six-year-old child and watching someone on TV and somebody died. And I was like, what's that? Because I, 
and then I, I remember I didn't sleep that night. I was so afraid. I, I didn't know death existed. Death was terrifying to me. Even after I started talking to I am and learning the, the truth, I was still afraid because when we die, we become one with oneness. We don't stop living. Life goes on. It's just not physical unless we choose to come back and be physical again. You know, there, and it wasn't until about three years after I, I started talking with I am that I experienced oneness. And I literally, I spent, I don't know if it was a minute or 10 minutes, but I spent some time without having a persona or an ego at all. And I was outside of my body and I, I understood everything. I had complete knowing. Um, and since then, I have not had any fear of death because I've experienced what reality actually is. And it's actually oneness. And it's actually everything is completely connected. There's no separation. And so I, I count myself so incredibly lucky to have had that experience. And I know that so many people that start learning the truth are chasing that, but they're chasing the, the idea of being that all the time, right? Losing their ego or losing their persona. Everybody's talking about how the ego is evil. But if you do that, you're no longer participating in the physical world. You're no longer able to attach yourself to other humans on a, on a deep level because you feel love for everything. And so I think, and I was chasing it too until I had this experience and that completely changed my life because it gave me so much knowing. And that's what tuning into your inner self and the universe can get you instead of going only to other people. I think it's very helpful in the beginning to read other books by other people and, and watch things on YouTube and learn their experiences so you can figure out how to do it yourself. But I am always pushing people, don't ask me these questions, you know, get the general idea, but then start asking yourself these questions because that's when your fears start to go away. You can ask other people all the questions in the world for as long as you want, but they're never going to give you your answers. Your answers are inside of you, and you can absolutely start spending a, just a few minutes a day asking yourself questions about what's going to make me happy. Why am I afraid of this? What's really going on? Um, Go ahead. No, I, I'm listening to all of this, and I'm pretty sure it's not part of the syllabus of a history class in college, nor is it part <laughs> of nursing training. Did all of this come to you through the inner voice, inner voice we're talking about? Oh, 100%, yes. This is everything that I know that I'm sharing with the world is the truth that I know from my inner voice, which is everyone's inner voice. We all have that same inner voice. And Anyone can access the answers to their questions. I've just spent eight years asking them, which is why I have an incredibly large knowledge bank. Um, but anybody can get these same answers. They are available to all of us. I just wanted to know the answers so desperately. I went on a quest to find them. You talk about oneness, and I think you use that as a, as a noun. Um, is oneness God? Oneness is absolutely God. It's God, source, universe. I usually use the word God because, to me, when I was when I was growing up, that's it's just it's what equates to me. But it's source, it's the universe, it's goddess, it's whatever makes sense to you to encompass more for us. And it's so important to understand that beyond our individuality lies oneness, because that's when you start being able to understand that you're an unlimited creator and why. Um, everything that you can experience with your senses has been created by other individuals and yourself, and they're all part of this oneness. So if anybody else is able to do, accomplish, or create something, that's something that's possible for you. I'm not saying you can do it in two minutes or even a year, but anybody can do anything that anybody else can do. And that's what oneness comes down to. Anything's possible for you. And here's the really, really, really exciting thing. You are here to do something that no one else has ever done. You are here to create something brand new. 
whether on a big scale or a small scale. That is your blueprint in life. I don't know what your thing is. Nobody else knows what your thing is. And if you go to a psychic to ask what that thing is, it hasn't been created yet. And they won't create your new unlimited creation because they aren't you. You have to start tuning in to your inner voice yourself to start getting these answers about what you are here to do. Because what you're here to do is mind-blowing, it's exciting, and it's your biggest dream. And so many of us, and me certainly for years, have this huge dream that as we get older seems further and further away. It seems that's nuts. There's no way I could do that. You know, like little kids have these big dreams and they believe they can do them. But the world conditions us no way. Go to college, get a good job, get a mortgage, you know, and and just deal with it, right? Put all of your big dreams on the back burner and maybe someday after you retire, maybe, right? And it's always maybe, it's always someday. And you know what? Those are all limiting beliefs that once you start understanding oneness, you can start moving past because none of those things are true. You are an amazing creator and you are here to create something new. And if you believe you're an individual, a little lone person experiencing this life by yourself, you are never going to step into your unlimited potential. I think my purpose in life is to bankroll my kids' exploits. I'm pretty sure that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm beginning to feel that way sometimes too. Yes, I, and I mean, there's I I want to say there there's so yeah. much to that. I know that's a bit of a joke, but there's right. so much to that. When you become a parent, your creation extends then to your children. It's important not to create their lives for them, but to create the best start that you can for them because they are going to go on and become amazing creators and the better start you can give them, you know, the more you're helping send that ripple of creation out towards them and extend. So it's like being a parent is such an awesome thing and I'm I'm so grateful for it because it really allows you to extend extend your, your creative field to these wonderful little beings that, you know, have so much potential. It might aren't so little anymore, but I will tell you this. Um, I've learned along the way that, you know, my effort to create and shape their future uh, actually had the exact opposite effect. Yes. <laughs> whenever oh, my I, goodness. Whenever and I'm I said, so yeah. grateful that I'm talking to my universe because that's, you know, that's a, a part of One Truth, One Law because, this was years, uh, 2011, when the book was, was originally transcribed, was years before Phil and I had children. But Phil asked that question. He said, if we have kids, how should we raise them? And I am said, you have to raise them to, to believe that they're individuals in the physical world. Because he was thinking, well, we should just raise them to know their God, right? And then they're going to go off and be like um, amazing sorcerers, right? I am said, no, they're, they're going to end up being killed. That's, that's the reality of the situation. Mm. But so what I am says is the best gift you can give your children is to teach them to trust their inner voice above all others, which means you don't put your ideas on them. For example, when I graduated high school, my mom was like, well, just go to college. This was 2000, and it wasn't totally obvious yet to people that going to college didn't land you a decent job. She's like, just go to college. It doesn't matter what you, um, what you major in, and you'll be able to get a decent job and have a decent life. So I believed her, and I went and, and did that. And it turned out when I graduated, that wasn't the case at all. Nobody was looking for history majors. That's not actually a career, you know? <laughs> and, and so, um, I mean, it, it is for some people, so I don't right, want to say that as right, a blanket right. statement. But in general, apparently for 80% of the history managers I graduated with, it wasn't a career. So anyway, what was going on there was my mom was bringing her belief from her graduating, you know, 30 years earlier that all you have to do is um, – go to college, and then you'll get a good job. And she, she transferred those to me. I believed them because I was trusting her as opposed to trusting myself. Now, if she had told me, trust yourself, 
when you're thinking about what you want to go do in the world after high school. You know, I probably would have come up with, with a different idea. And so that, as a parent, is kind of the scariest thing, because you want to give your children stability. You want to give them a safe, uh, big, huge future, right? And it turns out that what worked for you is absolutely not going to be what works for your children, because they have a different blueprint than you. You want to protect them. I want to protect my kids, but I understand the best way I can do that is to teach them to do what feels right for them. And so many children rebel against their parents as they get older. And you're like, well, I can't teach my kids to do what feels right for them because they're just going to go get a bunch of tattoos and go kill themselves on a motorcycle, right? (laughs) But so much of that, that big rebelling happens because your parents were telling you what was going to make you happy your whole life. If you raise your kids to go out there and trust themselves, you'd be amazed what they're capable of. Because even though they're small in the beginning, they are no less God than you. You still have to keep them safe. You know, absolutely, goodness gracious, this world's full of all kinds of stuff. You've got to keep them safe. But somewhere in there has to be planting the seed that, you know what, you know what you're here to do. I can't give you those answers. I can't live your life for you. And this, and I'll be honest with you, I have an 11-month-old and a 3-year-old, and this is hard for me every day. I'm trying, but it's not an easy thing. But I do know that how my parents did it, they were trying so hard to give me stability, didn't work out. And whatever careers or futures are working for kids right now, if I try to push that on my kids, it's almost guaranteed that in 20 years, it's not going to be working for people anymore. So, you know, even like becoming a doctor or a nurse, you know, now that's a really, still a really, really good career, right? But I know as a nurse that they are moving into doing all kinds of robotic things where even they're starting to to practice having, or not practice, but build robots that can give injections to patients, which I think is nuts, but they're doing it, you know, and they're certainly working on robot doctors. So if you're pushing your your child to to be that now, you don't know in 20 years if those careers are even still going to be viable, you know, and just because these things work now, we have no idea what the future holds. Aaron Worley is my guest. Aaron's book is called One Truth, One Law. I am I create Aaron, before we get back into talking about the concepts in the book, uh, I know that you graduated with a history degree. Did you have a specific concentration? Um, no, it was it was pretty general. I did. Um, I was interested in Asian history. I was interested in European history. I basically, you know, you would think they should have you really doing a certain concentration, but I found I went to Purdue in Indiana. I found it was a, it was a great school. I'm not saying anything bad, but they kind of just let you take as just you had to take a certain number. I don't know if it was 20 history classes, and they could be on any aspect mm. of history. So I found that I was really a generalist. And certainly that doesn't help either when you go out into the world. So, (laughs) but I'll I'll, I'll be honest with you, Jamie. The reason I did a history degree was because I really liked reading history, right? It was interesting to Mm -hmm. me. So I was like, well, this is something I guess I can stomach so I can get this, this coveted degree and, and move on to the next step of my life because uh, I didn't really want to go to college or anything. I was like, I guess I can stomach this. And I did. I got through it. <laughs> and well, it was really interesting. A lot of it was really interesting. I, it, but, uh, I find that uh, interesting as well because I, I've had a similar path in the sense that um, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was working in radio even back then. Through high school, I worked in radio. And, um, you know, so when I left uh, high school and I just kind of, you know, as you said, I was taught and, and was told I needed to go to college. So I did it. Um, but I knew radio was my love. And uh, so I just kind of meandered through college classes until I had enough courses to graduate with something. But I will tell you this, my favorite, um, my favorite topic, my favorite classes in college were the history of Western civilization. I absolutely loved those classes, and and if I had to really pick something specific, I probably would have been a history teacher. 
you know what? I would have loved to have been a history teacher, and I think I would have had so much fun doing that. But it's kind of embarrassing to admit this, but I didn't even know until my junior year of college I couldn't be a history teacher with just a history degree. I needed a teaching degree. And then I would have only... The funny thing is, you know, so I took so many history classes, obviously, but to get the teaching degree, I only needed a smattering then of history classes to be a history teacher, which is so ironic, you know, so our our teachers are out there teaching with only a small core of the classes that the more general degree would have. But I digress. (laughs) Yeah, I think our our stories are very similar that way. So going back to how this all, the genesis of all this for you, uh, you say on your website that one night something clicked and you wrote down in a notebook, we are all God, we are all one, and you didn't know what it meant at the time. Tell us how that came to you and how you found the meaning. Yeah, well, so I have always sort of just done free writing, and I'm not somebody who's disciplined enough to write in a journal every day. I've always kind of dreamed of being that disciplined, but I'm not, you know, so sometimes just something will pop into my head and I'll grab a pen and a paper and, and jot it down. And that's what I was doing. I had, I had been reading these books by, by self-help authors and channelers and just people who believe that there was more to the world. And so I had been doing that for a few months. I had been doing some meditating, even though I was finding that difficult because, like, I always wanted to itch my leg or something, you know. Um, so I, I just had this thought popped in my head. I grabbed a piece of paper, and I, you know, I wrote something like, um, I'm not Aaron. I'm God seeing through Aaron's eyes. I'm God writing through, through Aaron's pen. And, uh, and I had no idea what this meant. Zero idea. I kind of, it was kind of like a, huh, you know, it, I had written odd things my whole life. Um, things about me being lost, like, like it was like a message to myself. And I, it was sort of like, I'd be in a trance. This was even before, uh, 2010, 2011, when I started asking these questions, it'd be like this, this message to myself, like you're lost. You need to start looking for more. You have to stop settling in your life for what you have. And so anyway, when I wrote this message, it wasn't unusual that I would write something weird to myself. And I was just kind of like, well, I don't know what that means. I'm obviously not God, right? So I went to sleep really thinking nothing of it. And the next morning was when I had that shower, when I asked myself, I remembered what I wrote on the piece of paper. And I'm like, hey, wait, am I God? And boom, there was a voice in my head that said, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I'm like, well, I, I had no idea what that meant at the time. You know, I'm not like, I, I didn't start walking around like, oh, yeah, I'm God, you know, look at me. I had zero <laughs> clue what that meant. That's why I, I came out of the shower and I'm like, Phil, I'm hearing a voice in my head and it says I'm God. And he's like, what does that mean, Aaron? You know, he's looking at me a little crazy. And I'm like, I don't know what it means. He's like, well, let me ask it some questions, you know. So that's that's how it all started at, But I think that what I am says in the book is that everybody has these feelings, whether they write it down or not, occasionally, of feeling lost, of feeling like there's a little something more, but you just can't quite grasp it, right? Um, And that's, that's your inner self trying to communicate with you, trying to come through to you. But because we're so rooted in the physical world, we're like, that's weird. I don't really want to explore it. And we usually push it out of the way. So the whole process kind of started with me not pushing away, saying, well, okay, this is weird, but what does it really mean? And that was the first time in my life I had ever, ever started to really ask those questions instead of saying, I don't want to be weird like that. I don't want to open up a can of worms here, but um, if we're all God and oneness is God, and we're all part of the oneness. What are your thoughts on organized religious teachings? So, you know, I I don't like to be negative about anything, but I think organized religions are really exciting to some people because they have some of the truth there. There is a truth that there's more going on, and there is an order to the universe because there is a creator. Where the organized religious teachings go wrong is they don't understand that we are all co-creating this reality together. Uh, And so people sense that little bit of a truth there. And there's so many things where it's not just organized religion. 
you know, there's so many things. I even say the law of attraction. It's got a lot of the truth in there. We are creators. Our thoughts do create. But where it's got wrong, gone wrong is it's also based on the idea that we're individual creators. We're the only creators of our reality. So even the law of attraction has that leading you astray a little bit, not really understanding at the root we're all one. So anything where somebody is telling you that you have to work really hard to learn something or there's something wrong with you, it's, it's always coming from not understanding oneness, not understanding that you're God too. The person you're talking to has just as much worth as you have. And that's what happens with organized religions. They end up sort of talking down to you, making you feel bad. Because they're seeing, well, I figured this out, right? I figured out that, that this God exists, and I know how to sort of communicate with them. So I know more than you, so I'm going to talk down to you. And that's what ends up happening. And it's, and as individuals, the only way we're going to break free of that is own that, yeah, okay, I have let myself feel like I don't have worth, and other people have the answers I'm looking for. And until you as an individual realize that you might have those answers and start looking within, you're always going to be susceptible to outside influences that tell you that they have the answer. And that's what's going on with all the people that are trying to give you the answers. They're telling you they have them, and you don't understand your worth, who you are, the oneness. And so you go to them, and you hand over a forklift, you fork over fistfuls of cash saying, give me my answers, yeah. you know, and it's, so it's not, I, I would never say, I think that most of the people out there doing these things have the best intentions. You know, I really do believe that. Uh, but I think what happens is as individuals were conditioned from little kids and certainly through school to believe we don't have those answers and we buy into that and then we are susceptible to anybody who says they know the answer. So is it your interpretation that, and I'm just going to use Christianity because it's what I'm most familiar with, but is it your interpretation that a religion like Christianity is is a different version of what you're talking about, or is it somewhat at odds, or is it completely disconnected from what you're talking about? Well, from what I know of Jesus, I would believe that Jesus' message was very similar to the message of Gandhi or of Buddha, which is very similar to my message, and so many other people that are awakening spiritually and have this message of, of oneness. So I believe Jesus' original message was oneness, but I believe that that was quickly co-opted by this idea that, that Jesus was the one. Right. And if, if you study his, his, early, his, his actual words, you'll see that his words are words of oneness. They're not words of him specifically being one, but it's a misinterpretation because the person interpreting doesn't have that filter of oneness that they're reading his words through. They have this filter of already being, believing that he's an individual and so are they. So all the misunderstandings of the world are because people believe they're individual and they don't understand that it's actually oneness at the core. So I think that Christianity is 100% at odds with what I'm saying, 100%, because they're based on the, uh, not that Jesus was saying this, but they have based their message on the idea that someone outside of you is what you should look to for your answers. And that's not the truth. One of the important uh, tenets of of most religions, specifically Christianity, is this moral code, you know, right, wrong, sin, you know, sins, non-sins, whatever. Um, do those exist in the oneness? So in the oneness, there's, if you leave this physical world, there is nothing but basically this love, vibrating love, joy, knowing. Um, so there's no doubt. All, all of the fear and bad things in the world come from not understanding oneness. So when you're part of the oneness, none of that exists. But down here in the physical world, yes, of course, all these things exist, and it's what allows us to have these physical experiences. Because if we all had knowing and joy all the time, we would not be living any sort of life that was worth living. And that is literally the truth, and it's really, really hard for a lot of people that are seeking more spiritually spirituality to believe. They believe that 
they should be stuffing down their their negative emotions, right? That's something that's really taught out there. That's a big idea that there's something wrong when you're thinking negatively. And when you think, when you have bad emotions, when you feel grief or anger or sadness, that you're not creating the best life for yourself or whatever, that is ridiculous. You're here to be human and humans feel a wide range of emotions and it's what the physical world is here for. So if if you just had joy all the time, then you'd be part of the oneness again. You wouldn't be participating here in the physical world. And this physical world exists for us to have a wide variety of experiences. It's so important and it's okay. And the more you stuff those emotions that people would call negative down inside of you, the more disease is going to fester in your body. You need to learn to discharge them. You need to know there's nothing wrong with having them. All humans have them. And most of us are here to be human. There are enlightened masters like Jesus or Buddha or Gandhi that have lived, or certainly monks. But in order to experience that joy all the time, you've got to be basically meditating all day long and not having any human um, desires. Like you don't want a nice car. You don't want uh, you don't want more money, you're happy eating basically bread and gruel and meditating all day. Some people, that's their blueprint. That's what they're going to do. And that's fine. But most people aren't. And you're not going to really step into your unlimited power until you realize it's okay to be human. All right. Last question as it pertains to religion here, and then we'll move on to something else. But um, I think uh, something that might concern people uh, when we, we talk about uh, God or oneness in this way, is that, you know, there are good people and bad people in the world. And, and to use the cliche, you know, Adolf Hitler is, was a horrible person. Does he, when he died, did he go into the oneness as equal as as someone who, you know, Mother Teresa did? Well, yeah, I mean, and I struggled with this, too. And I'll be honest with you, I uh, I don't watch the news because I hate to be projecting these negative things out there any more than they're already being projected. But, yes, that's the reality of it. It is something that you need to accept to expand yourself more. And it sucks. It's a horrible feeling. But it is true. You know, no matter what happens here in the physical world, it's all a projection. And um, it, it, I, I agree, it sucks, and I don't have a good answer for it. I mean, All one, I one of the tell things you is the universe loves you no matter what you've done, and, and one, that's the reality. But what? Oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. It, one of the things that kind of guides us and, and keeps us somewhat civil is that the idea there might be a consequence to bad actions, other than maybe being thrown in jail for something. Um, without that, does that change the foundation of? of, you know, our civilization based on, you know, what we know is right and wrong? Uh, I mean, maybe we're getting a little too deep here. No, I don't think so. So I think that for the universe, all thoughts expand. Now, the universe, again, as, as I mentioned, ex- um, includes the physical world and the non-physical world. And all thoughts, whether good or bad, expand the, um, the universe. But because our world is a projection of only a certain number of the thoughts of the universe, thoughts of more, of plenty, of joy and love expand our physical world. And thoughts of hate, of um, lack, those literally shrink our experience of the physical world. So we have to Step into our knowing that we are humans while we're here in the physical world, and that's okay. Because if we believe that we're here to be I am while we're living this life, we are going to have this mistaken idea that we have to have forgiveness and love for everyone. I just got an email from a 76-year-old woman who was reading my book today. And she said she had an experience in her 40s that she was God and and she went and she had months and months of, of joy and love and it was wonderful. And then she had an experience that was really, really negative with a banker and she wasn't able to forgive him. And so she threw the whole the whole joy and love and God out the window because she said, I couldn't forgive him and I knew to do this. I had to have forgiveness for everyone. And I would say, no, that's what all these people are teaching you. 
absolutely not. You need to understand your worth, and you don't have to forgive everyone. And that is not not what you're here to do. If you were an enlightened master, like I was talking about, who's going off to meditate and does not have human needs and desires anymore, then yes, you're here to forgive everyone. That's where all these confusions in the world come from, is thinking that we as humans need to emulate the enlightened masters that have come before us. No, they have made a choice. There's always a fork in the road when you understand the truth. Am I going to go off into the woods and be I am? and spend all my time meditating and being with the oneness? Or am I going to brace my humanity knowing that one day when I die, I will be one with the oneness again? Am I going to do what I'm here to do and embrace my humanity? That means I do not have to pretend to be joyful all the time. I do not have to have forgiveness in my heart for everyone. Okay, That doesn't mean being full of hate. It means understanding your worth. At your core, you are one with everything. You are God. And if somebody isn't treating you the way you deserve to be treated, then you don't have to appreciate them. You keep uh, you know, using the name I am. Um, that's the name that you refer to, uh, the voice, the, the oneness, all of those things. Did you give the voice that name or did the voice tell you that was his or her name? Actually, when, when my husband, when I lay down that first day after getting out of the shower and hearing this voice, and I lay down and I let my husband ask questions, one of the first questions he asked was, what should we call you? And the voice said, I am, because there's nothing else to be but me. How do people take the first step to start uh, understanding and connecting with their inner voice? That's a great question. So. It took me many, many months because I didn't have the understanding of oneness at my core. So I had to meditate for long periods of time and and really try to connect within. I had no guide to come before me to show me how to do this. Um, I studied some other channelers, how they started hearing the voice, and that helped a little bit, but in the end, that wasn't what did it. So my book, One Truth, One Law, is actually... All these questions, my husband is asking exactly that. And you're expanding your filter, which is what you believe about the world, to understand oneness, understand how the universe works. And that allows you to fast track your hearing the voice because you're not having to learn all these things first. You, you get them all in this book. And then at the end, the, the last chapter tells you exactly what you have to do. And it starts with um, going into a quiet room. Once or twice a day, start with a few minutes. It doesn't have to be a 30-minute meditation session, you know. Lay down, sit down, get comfortable, ask yourself a question. You know, is the question going to be, what do I want next in my life? Maybe you have a big decision to make and you're not sure between two things. Whatever question is pressing for you right now, or maybe your question like me is, am I God? You know, go and start asking yourself that question. If you don't get the answer right away, that's fine know that you're going to hear it in the next few days or you'll you'll feel it. So what's going to end up happening is you're going to be driving the kids to soccer practice or you're going to be in the shower or you're going to be somewhere where you're just kind of zoned out and the answer is going to pop into your head to your question. You're going to be like, oh, my goodness, because at the core, I am source is literally your intuition. It's that gut feeling you've had all your life that you often don't follow because you didn't recognize it right away. And that happens so much with people that I work with. They say, Aaron, I, I saw this black cat and it was walking and that made me think I should do this. But then later I, I saw this mirror while I was walking backwards. And so then that made me think I should do the opposite. How do I know which one was my intuition and which one was my persona? And I tell them, it's really easy. Start hearing this voice, and then you can ask and get an actual answer instead of having to guess. But this voice, as I said earlier, has been with you your whole life. You've just conditioned to not hear it. So you're just you're just like reconditioning, deconditioning yourself to start hearing the voice. It starts with asking yourself questions and being fairly certain that you might get an answer. Um, but again, my book outlines the exact process to do it. It does work because 
at the core, we are all I am. So once someone's able to do this, uh, follows the steps in your book, understands what they're trying to do and starts to understand the answers they're getting, how is that going to ultimately change and affect their life? Um, so it, it erases a lot of your fears, right? For me, I don't have that fear of death anymore. And it also lets you know what are the next steps you can take to start getting fulfilled. Because I don't know my entire life path, but I do know the next few steps. I know the next things I'm here to do in the world. And I also can recognize when ideas are coming from outside of me, influences are coming from outside of me, and I recognize now that those aren't what's going to make me happy, right? So I'm no longer feeling like I need to keep up with the Joneses. I understand that I'm here to do things on my own time, my own individual path. When people make this connection and start to live this way, you've, you've talked about how it affects them individually. How does it affect the greater consciousness or the, the oneness itself? Does it, does it all play a part in coming together? Oh, absolutely. Of course. We all are, are weaving this creation together. And the more of us that start tuning into our inner self and start following our own blueprint, our own life path, the more the universe is really, the more our physical world is really going to start expanding. And there is a spiritual awakening going on where so many people are starting to wake up to the fact that there is more to life and what they have been told their whole lives is not true. Um, so it's a really, really exciting time to be alive. Things are changing, and I have so much hope for our future as as a species, as an entire world. Is there a chance that if somebody finally makes this connection and is able to listen and hear the inner voice, that they're going to be told that they've been doing things wrong, they've made wrong decisions, or is that not part of this? So... Your inner voice loves you, and your inner voice knows that life is life, and nothing that you've done is wrong. I don't care how bad you feel it is. Your inner voice doesn't think it's wrong. Your inner voice thinks it was just one more step towards getting onto your life path. So this idea that we have that is so prevalent in society now that we want to tell ourselves, oh, we don't have to be perfect, we're, we're not perfect, whatever, it, it's because we have all these limiting doubts and beliefs. And so I would say it's, that's not quite right. What it is is we are perfect just because we exist. You don't have to do anything to be perfect. You're perfect because inside you are source, you are God. And so whatever choices you make are your choices, and there's nothing wrong with them. It's an inspiring message, Erin. Where can people find your book? So it's on Amazon and Audible, uh, One Truth, One Law. And probably the most important question of the night, did you ever find the answer to the big pile of money? (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on it. I actually do have the answer, and that's coming out in another. I have two books that are coming out later this year that the answer will be there. But I will tell you, it's not a get-rich-quick answer. It's a realistic, real-world answer. Are the two books that are coming out continuations of... uh, uh, the, they are. The, uh, they are. Okay, yeah. terrific. All right, yeah. well, great. Well, we'll have to have you back on when the other books come out. But thank you so much for being with us tonight. Again, a very inspiring message, and we appreciate your time. Uh, this was awesome. I had such a blast. That's going to do it for tonight. Thanks so much for being here, everyone. Erin Worley is the name of our guest, and her book is called One Truth, One Law. And you can uh, you can find um, it on Amazon. Also, of course, we have those links on uh, the Amazon page that supports the program, which is if you go to Amazon.com slash shop slash JVJ Taps, you'll find it there as well. So uh, a lot of great stuff coming up on the show, of course. Stay with us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. For Beyond Reality, I'm JV Johnson. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.